1: Hi, this is Tony Cotty,
2: and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia, Each and every week in this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed Mark Noble shirt tickets are just £3.95 each and just 99 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning entries close at 7.30pm on Tuesday, the 11th of January. So you have to act quick with this one. That's Tuesday, the 11th of January at 7.30pm. UK time and the winner is drawn an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotti, Saeed Ben Rama, Jared Bowen, and Vladimir Sufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Well, 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 since we last spoke, West Ham United bagged a relatively straightforward 2-0 win against Leeds United at home in the FA Cup third round and were then drawn against Kidderminster Harriers away of the National League North. I haven't seen West Ham get so fortunate in a draw for such a long time, and I'm pretty sure that feeling is going to come back and bite me on the backside when we crash out in the most embarrassing fashion In a generation. That's three games, though, three wins and nine goals scored for West Ham in 2022. And it looks like the Hammers are starting this year in the same near perfect fashion as they did the last. And talking of near perfect, I am joined tonight by my friend and colleague, business partner and all round good bloke, James Jones. Jonesy, great to see you again, mate. Ten days into 2022. What can go wrong?
1: Oh, mate. I mean, it was a near perfect intro, but we've only played two games in 2022, not three.
2: Ah, I even did a check beforehand, mate.
1: Yeah, Watford uh, was last year, wasn't it? Ah,
2: foolish behaviour. I mean, where do we go from here, mate? Do we I mean, sort of.
1: We're, we're that again... massive that we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, mate. I mean, it it could mm. be three wins, but it's unfortunately, it's only two If we've only played yeah. twice. Yeah, so, um, true, actually, hopefully, it? Yeah. it is three by the time we play Norwich on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well,
2: uh, I don't know if it's worth me doing it again. You know what I, this is because of, mate? It's because I read for the first time in weeks. I read the advertising read in perfect fashion. Not a single Rick read it all without any errors or having to go back and do it again. Yeah. And it's the the god of podcasts was just like, no, 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 mate. You're not getting to the end of the introduction without a single mistake in there. There you go. There you
1: go. So, um. um...
2: never mind. <laughs> uh, all who right. Right, Two games, um, five goals scored, two games, two wins, near perfect fashion until that introduction from me to the podcast. Right, okay. (laughs) No problem at all. Uh, Jonesy, uh, how are you? Uh, Did you enjoy the game? Um, Yeah, furnish me with some details about your life and your recent West Ham experience.
1: Yeah, good thanks, mate. Um, Really, really did enjoy the game on Sunday. Um, Other than that, nothing much more to report. Just happy with a win. Um, no real boring boring things went on in my life, unlike previous talk about know, emails sh- and sheds. Email and, sheds. And, and, uh, last yeah. week was, was quite deep last week
2: in the end, wasn't it? We were doing New Year's yeah.
1: resolutions. and. Yeah, but other than that, no, it's just, I'm just happy about the DFA Cup draw and happy with the win over Leeds and looking forward to two more games this week. Yeah, doing? fair
2: play, mate. I'm pretty sure the We Are West Ham listeners will be happy to hear that news as well. That we're actually going to talk about uh, mainly football this week rather than <laughs> some of the other uh, uh, other stuff that we've been droning on about in weeks gone by. Um, Jonesy, we've uh, we've got quite a bit to cover tonight. It's going to be good. Uh, just briefly, then, before we get into it in a bit more detail with uh, the sons Kieran Ben later on, big Leeds fan. We're going to do a little something a little bit different, which we'll explain soon.
1: Uh, well, just briefly, what did you make of the game and then obviously the draw afterwards I thought it was it's pretty straightforward in the end I saw, saw both the lineups and kind of felt a little bit, even more confident than I really was um, but yeah it was just relatively straightforward, the performance wasn't bad it wasn't the best performance we've put in this season but it certainly wasn't the worst um, and then the draw, well I mean we literally couldn't have asked for a better draw could we? Like, I, no, I really, no, absolutely I, not,
2: mate. No. I really
1: wanted us to draw Borenwood because I live here and obviously they had a massive, massive win against yeah. Wimbledon in the third round, their first ever time in the fourth round of the FA Cup. So I was looking Huge. forward to hoping, was hoping for Bournemouth away. Um, but Kidderminster away is better than Bournemouth away if you take into account where they are in, in the football pyramid. So perfect draw for us. We don't get draws like that, do we? We never nope. get a draw like that. So
2: No, nope. I mean, you only have to look at our Carabao Cup draw this year, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Manchester City, Manchester or Manchester United away, Manchester
1: City at home and then Tottenham at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so a draw like that is very welcome. I didn't realise actually, I mean, I completely forgot that we played Kidderminster in the FA Cup in 1994. Um, Pretty forgot about that. So, because I thought, oh, great, new team, not played them before and then was was quickly reminded that we played them in 94. Mm. Um, But yeah, buzzing with that. Happy Bernadette.
2: I, I was, oh, I was two and a half in 1994, so I'm hoping uh, you and the rest of the listeners can forgive me uh, for that little oversight there. The one in the introduction, though, mate, I don't expect anyone to forgive me for that. Before we move on, uh, we've got Kieran Ben coming up. John Cushing is a Norwich fan. Uh, We'll do the Betway Charity. We've got loads coming up on the show. Just quickly, mate, before we move on and welcome Kieran. Uh, Governor B, a big feel-good story around West Ham. This week, he has released a single called Massive, uh, very aptly named, given uh, the size of the club, basically. But yeah, he's Mm -hmm. released that with all proceeds going to Isla's fight. And at one point this week, it was soaring up the iTunes charts, wasn't it, Jonesy? Um,
1: What can you tell us about that and just obviously a a positive story all around? I think it's brilliant. I think it's a a great little tune, catchy. I had it on repeat the other day. and it's only a minute long, but... I do not repeat while I was in the shower the other morning. I was like, "This is this is a great little song," but great initiative, obviously, you know, trying to raise money for Isla. And um, I think at one point it was top of the iTunes charts for a little bit, which is mm. good. Um, sure, it's raised. I don't know. I don't know how much is raised from it, but uh, you know, every penny is you know counts it for uh, for Isla. So really, really good from Governor B and a really catchy song, and um, hopefully you can maybe add a little bit more by the end of the season. We can have a full three three or four-minute track because I wanted a bit more from where that come from, mate, if I'm honest. Because um, yeah. mass, yeah, massive track enough. for a massive club.
2: Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, massive respect from us to Governor B and everyone who's downloaded it so far. If you fancy it, you can go on uh, to iTunes. If you haven't already or if you haven't already streamed it, go on to iTunes. You can choose to buy it. It is available to stream. But if you choose to buy it, obviously more of the money uh goes towards either I believe it's one pound twenty nine so not a huge amount of money if you so wish to do that. And yeah, respect to Governor B for that. Little bit of housekeeping. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at We Are West Ham Pod. Facebook just search we Are West Ham Podcast. YouTube do the same. We are West Ham Podcast over there for all the videos and clips that Jonesy does such a great job of putting together each and every week. All of our opposition view guests from tonight are on there if you fancy it. And don't forget you can email us at wearewestampod at gmail.com if you're feeling a bit retro. The links to all the ways you can follow us and contact the podcast are included in the description below. And you can buy us a beer and support us at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham for as little as a fiver a time. As I mentioned, loads coming up on the show tonight. We've got a Norwich opposition view first. We're doing it in a little bit of a different order. So it's a Norwich opposition view first with John Cushing, broadcaster and Norwich fan. We'll do the Betway charity bets afterwards. Nothing to look back on because the Leeds game at the weekend was an FA Cup game. But we look forward to another visit uh, by the Whites or from the Whites this Sunday at London Stadium. And we will have Betway charity bets for those. And then uh, Kieran Ben from The Sun, big Leeds fan, been on the show before, friend of mine, friend of the podcast is coming on to have a look back to the game as well as look forward to that Premier League clash. We'll have the West Ham women with the Daily Mail's Catherine Batty, who was on BBC TV at the weekend. Don't know if any of you spotted her there. And then we will say goodbye for another week. So, without any further ado, wait with us because next up is John Cushing, broadcaster and Norwich fan looking forward to Wednesday night's game in the Premier League at the London Stadium. One of our briefest introductions ever there, I think, James Jones, uh, no non-football related guff to talk about, so straight into it. I'm delighted to say that getting straight into it from a football side of things as well, we're joined for the first time ever by John Cushing, uh, media extraordinaire, and uh, (laughs) from the new Old Norwich podcast, joining us for the first time to look ahead to Wednesday night's game at the London Stadium in the Premier League. West Ham looking to continue their perfect start to 2022 and make it three wins from three. This game, of course, rearranged after dark coronavirus hit and the game was postponed uh, around the Christmas period. I am actually delighted because I couldn't go to the first one because of work. Now it's been rearranged for the Wednesday night. I'm clear as a bird. So that would be lovely. John, it's brilliant to have you with us. Uh, How are you feeling ahead of that, um, ahead of the clash, the mouthwatering clash midweek under the lights at the London
3: Stadium? Well, after five straight defeats. Hi, James. Hi, Will, by the way. And a a win in the FA Cup on Saturday, which was uh, on Sunday, which was much needed. Um, I don't think anything's changed. I'm I'm, I'm incredibly nervous. Um, I I remember going to West Ham when we were last in the Premier League uh, a couple of years ago, Um, went for a 3 0 defeat, I think it was. It was early in the season uh, a couple of years ago. And I thought West Ham looked world beaters at that point. Uh, And it was your your former manager in charge. Um, And they absolutely played Norwich off the park. So I can't see, to be honest, anything much different uh, on Wednesday night. Um, We we can't score goals. We let in goals. And I have a funny feeling that Mr Antonio, uh, who might be scoring a few more goals as he did at Carrow Road uh, last time we were in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was quite a memorable. How one, many was wasn't it? it? Four. Four, he got.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was
2: uh, quite the afternoon. That one was, wasn't it? Um, John, you mentioned the FA Cup there. Norwich left it late uh, against Charlton away at Charlton at the weekend. One nil, it was. Is it one of those? You know, it's it's easy to say, isn't it? You know, people have been throwing a lot of mud at Newcastle since they lost to Cambridge United at home at the weekend. Is there a sense that actually that game, we just had, um, well, we're speaking later on in the show to Kieran, a Leeds fan about the game at the weekend. And there was a sense from the Leeds fans we spoke to last weekend that the FA Cup was almost a bit of an inconvenience. Is it for a similar thing for Norwich fans? Or is it like, well, we we haven't got that winning feeling. We're just delighted to get that potential banana skin out of the way and be through and into the next round?
3: I mean, I did groan when the FA Cup fourth round draw came out, and we were the last one out and we were away at wolves. It was like, oh, we could have at least been at home um, yeah. as the last one. I was like, David James, thanks for doing that. No favors at all. Uh, from <laughs> for from a former uh, hammer. And um, but it was, I think on Saturday it was just we just needed to we needed to get on the field. We needed to win. We needed to yeah. score a goal. and it was um, Rashika's first goal uh, for the club, Puki's first assist. For the club, I mean, he scored more goals this season than than anybody else. I think five players have, have scored for Norwich City this season, and Puky scored uh, five of them. And um, it, but he did create the the goal. I thought with Norwich, and this is what I talk about, and we talk about a lot on the podcast, is that we are too good for the Championship. We certainly were with Daniel Farker in charge, and I think it was the right decision to get rid of him. Uh, in the Premier League because it, it just wasn't working. And Dean Smith came in. We obviously beat Southampton, having beat Brentford in, in Farker's last game, but th- that decision was was made to, to get rid of him at that point. We then beat Southampton. We then drew away at Newcastle, but that was against 10 men. Uh, and, and it was only a draw, ultimately, uh, despite a cracking goal from from Pookie. But we just haven't scored since. And I think we needed to get on the field, to play the likes of Charlton. Again, we can, we can tear these teams apart if we can get our passing going. And I think that's what it proved on Saturday, uh, that, that that happened. There were still some scares, uh, as there always are with Norwich. And I think that's my fear. That uh, I think it was the 15th different centre-back partnership this season that, that Dean Smith put out. And, and I have been saying this for four or five years at Norwich, um, that we haven't built... We brought Tim Krul in, which I think has, has been a, a, a good signing, but we then haven't built the kind of rock that you need. Um, and that's the heart of the defence, a central midfielder, uh, to go with Pukki. So we've got Krull and Pukki at either end, who I think are good players and, and Premier League standard. Uh, maybe not the, the, the top and, and certainly nowhere near what West Ham have got. But we've just got nothing in the middle. And we had Oliver skip last season uh, to end the Championship. And he was brilliant. And he was the find of the season for Norwich and I think we obviously tried to do the same thing again by bringing in Billy Gilmore. You'll have seen the mm. reports about what happened at Palace um, a couple of weeks ago. I think it's more—it's not about Billy Gilmore. He's assisted uh, one of the rare goals that we've scored this season. There's been only the other three assists in the Premier League apart from him. So, you know, this, this is... It's not about him. It's more about the frustration that we're not creating chances. And then when we do create the odd chance... We're not scoring goals, and I think that's the, the the frustrating thing from from Norwich. But what team will Dean Smith put out on on, on Wednesday night will be, a, 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 again, another interesting one. It, it will be different from the one against Charlton, but we just hope it will have a little bit more confidence, uh, having, as we say, scored a goal, kept a clean sheet, uh, and and just stop that run of, of mm. five straight defeats. John, what's the, what's the feeling
1: amongst Norwich fans um, towards oh. Dean Smith as a as an appointment, I mean, it raised a few eyebrows when he came in, um, and he got those two 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 good results to start with. But it kind of kind of slipped back to previous form. Um, is it is the feeling that yeah, okay, it was time to get rid of Daniel Farker and this is the right appointment, or are there fans that are going maybe be rushed into a decision on this one?
3: Well, I said on the podcast he obviously was second choice because we've we sacked Farker. Not knowing that Dean Smith was available because he was still in charge of Aston Villa, mm. so he's not no- he, so he, he's not number one choice. So he yep. wasn't. So he's not number one choice for, for Stuart Weber, the performance director, um, who makes the appointments. And 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 our club has been run like this. And you'll you'll have seen lots of things in the newspapers about how Norwich is run as a club. And you can argue that are they trying? Are they not trying? They were nearly bankrupt four or five years ago. Delia Smith's been there for, for 25 years and her husband uh, running the club. But they were they were we were on the verge of of going under. And and they changed the way that they do it. And and whether you agree with it or not, that's how the system works. That Weber brings in the managers and then brings in the players. And they tend to be um, cheaper players from abroad, and then bring in some youth players. So that's the system. And I think it was the. I think, as I said earlier, it's the right thing to get rid of Farker. I mentioned Dean Smith pretty much as soon as he was sacked. I thought he would be a better appointment than your old pal Frank Lampard. I didn't think Frank would be the right uh, manager for the club of, of Norwich. I've always said with Norwich that, and again we, we talk about this we're, we're, we're doing at the moment on our podcast, the greatest ever managers at the moment on on, on Norwich. And what I've always said is they tend to be younger managers or or ones that have come through the club who've got something to prove, the the big names that we've ever had, uh, your Chris Hewtons, uh, your Glenn Roeders, um, have all failed quite miserably, Um, unfortunately, while your Paul Lamberts, Mike Walkers, Dave Stringers have all come through the club and been given a chance. And I think with Dean Smith, it's a bit of both, James. Mm. It's a a long answer to a a short question. Um, It's a bit of both. There is still a big camp about... Um, within the supporters of supporting Farker, and that it wasn't the right decision. And he good, he played good football. And I think we enjoyed the football, but my argument was, if you're never going to win a football match, what's the point? And I never Mm. saw him with the, with, with the opportunity to make us any better. Now you can argue that's to do with the players that are brought in. And I think maybe you mentioned the results. Yeah. We're, we're, Dean Smith's record is now exactly the same as Farker's in terms of one win, one draw in the Premier League this season. I think there's a couple more games that we've got to play for him to catch up with Farker this season. So it'll be interesting to see what the stats are uh, by the end of that. But he he was re- it was really clear to Dean that you will have young players coming through the academy. You will have some, some other players. And I think he looked at the squad and thought we had enough I, I would argue that we, we 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 actually haven't and and we've come into this premier league season again with our hands half tied behind our backs and maybe our left foot as well
2: are you uh, are you edging closer though john Well, you we mentioned smith there just briefly before we go on to to the game in detail because i want to talk about that with dean smith though do, you, you mentioned, because it's such a strange di- dichotomy with Norwich fans. Some of them almost get really offended when you suggest that, oh, all right, we, it's nice running the club like that, but perhaps you might want to win a Premier League game or two. And others, which is the camp it sounds like you're in, are like, well, no, all that other stuff is nice, but it would be nice to come 14th in the Premier League one year instead of 18th, 19th or 20th all the time. Yeah. Do you feel like with Dean Smith, you're at least edging... Back a little bit closer to that, or do you already feel with your team uh, planted to the to the bottom of the table on 10 points? You're only, you're on a, albeit there's some games in hand, only technically three points from safety. What, 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 do you feel like you're at least edging close to there? Is their hope of survival completely gone, or?
3: Not with the last few results, Will, to be honest. When you're losing two or three nil. Now you can say that's against Tottenham, that's against Manchester United, but I mean Manchester United were, have been dreadful under Ranić. And again, we we were one of the first teams I that were. Unlucky though, weren't you? We were unlucky, but we didn't win and we didn't score. And and yeah. I think that's the frustrating thing. You've got to beat these teams when they are down and out mm-hmm. and and every time I, I think they look at the fixture list and say, oh good old norwich uh, they'll 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 play well and and we'll have a good match but we'll we'll score a goal 7 minutes from the end and, and win 1-0 which is obviously what united did and and tottenham as well for you know they went 1-0 up i think uh, quite early and we did play well but we didn't get the goals and we didn't convert chances and then they score a couple goals uh, quite quickly uh, at the end so um, uh, I think with Dean Smith, my issue is we had to try and stay up this season. And that's why we started the podcast, The New Old Norwich. I, rem- I When I was growing up, Norwich were a first division, then a Premier League team. Uh, we were finishing fourth and fifth in the, in the table. We qualified for Europe several times, either via the FA Cup or from p- positions in the league. We won the Milk Cup. And, and we just were a good club with good players. And we enjoyed and we played good football. Um, mm. i think with Farka, it it became about the style of play and they came, and, and and Norwich fans will talk about Farka ball and and various other things like that i really i never really bought it because i never thought we were good enough uh, at the, at the top at the top end and i actually again, did a bit of kind of stats. And I'm not a huge fan of stats. I think you can look into them what you you will. You've upset
2: James with that one, John. Sorry,
3: sorry, James. I'm with you, though. (laughs) Much more of a heart and soul sort of football man, me. Yeah, I'm with you. But I went through the championship when when Farker finished champions in both seasons and I looked at the results against the top six that finished in the championship and he hardly won any game against the top six. So consistently, we were we were very good against the likes of Charlton, as I said, on, on Saturday. But against the, the the so-called bigger clubs in the Championship, we didn't beat them. And then you're going into a season, as I said earlier, with your hands tied behind your back, with a couple of extra players. So um, I'd like to think that Dean Smith would bring someone in. I mean, we bought Hugel off you a couple of seasons ago, and we sent him that. out on loan to, to, to West yeah, Brom. But yeah. you know he, he 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 scored a couple of goals in the championship. He's a different type of striker than Puky. He's going to offer something different. I don't know why he's not at the club, but and I, and if I was Dean Smith, I'd be bringing him back in January just to have some alternatives. Because mm. if Puky doesn't score, we don't score. If he's if he doesn't play, we're definitely never going to score. And and that's the I think the frustration. Um, and and I hope that Dean Smith will be able to bring in a couple of players because if not, we're just going to get relegated again miserably. And it's and I tell you what, you you guys haven't suffered it for a couple of years, but you you'll remember how it was miserable week mm. in week out. You never stood a chance, and and it, it's just you you begin to be you you begin to feel. Like, it's not your club anymore. And that's why, you know, we want to go back to to feeling like we, we have a chance. Yeah.
1: Looking towards uh, Wednesday, John. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, you got that elusive win in the FA Cup <laughs> and you got the goal as well. Do you think that, I suppose firstly, how do you think the game's going to go? But also, do you think that uh, that win in the FA Cup might give Dean Smith and the players a bit of a boost leading to this one? A little bit of confidence?
2: Sounds like you're clutching at straws on John's behalf there, Jamie. I like it. Very charitable of you.
1: Yeah,
2: well. Come on.
3: Uh yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that we we won't lose five-nil again like we did to to Arsenal at home on Boxing Day, 3-0 at, at Crystal Palace. I think coming to the London Stadium now is a lot harder than it was when I and when I said I came and, and watched it a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I and you played us off the park that day. And and I can't, James. I really can't see it being any different. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, this time, as I said, I don't know which 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 players uh, have come back. We obviously had a game cancelled because of COVID, as as a lot of people have had. Um, We miss Grant Hanley, and he's still not the world's best central defender. He is a Scottish (laughs) international, but when he's your best, exactly, (laughs) yeah. When, When he's your best player or best central defender, you're like scratching your head, going. Well, two, four, four years ago when we in the championship when we got promoted, he, he he couldn't even get into the team. And then we went into the Premier League season with him as our starting <laughs> centre back and he's carried on that way. And and I think that's my that is my huge issue. So centre backs, the um, midfield, we don't create anything. I talked about the assists. I think we you know, four players have had an assist in the Premier League this season and that and that's it. So we're not creating anything. And then you've got Puki, and it could be Sergeant, who we who we brought in from Germany, uh, who doesn't look like he hit a barn door in the nicest possible way. He tries hard, but I, I go back to, is he any better than 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 Hugo? And and I've never seen Hugo play much. You 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 know, you say you're glad he he came to us, but uh, that's our level. Grant Holt was a brilliant player for us um, ten years ago, and he was of that stature from from hugel so it would be nice to have alternatives on the bench we've got young adam eda who's a republic of ireland international leads the line for ireland uh, and 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 plays most games for, for for his country but he just never plays football i mean he, he came on against charlton on the 83rd minute <laughs> mm. and, and and if you're not playing football you're not you're not practicing you're not scoring goals and what, what one of the questions i mean you guys I've been through your striking problems. One of the things I'm really interested in in the Premier League is we have so many coaches for so many different things. So goalkeeping coach, throwing coaches. Why do we have a striker coach? Why isn't there someone who actually just works with the strikers, putting the ball in the back of the net? Because Norwich desperately, desperately needs someone like that.
2: Yeah, I think I, I think that is a thing at some clubs, isn't it, where they have part-timers or former players come in um, or stuff like that. I, I think for worryingly for a while, ours was Carlton Cole, which did explain <laughs> our, uh, uh, our goal-scoring record uh, for quite a period of time. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But it's just, and it's funny you say that, but demoralising it feels. I can remember so many years like that at West Ham, just where you felt like it was a chore. But look, John, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on with us for the first time ever tonight. You've been wonderful, and we hope to uh, we hope we get to speak to you again because it's been great. We we'll do it with all of our opposition view guests before the end of their segment. I'll ask Jonesy for his opinion as well, and I'll give mine. Uh, I want a score prediction from you, John, for Wednesday night, London Stadium, Norwich in 20th, West Ham in 5th, West Ham 24 points above the Canaries in the Premier League. Don't want to remind you of that too much, but score prediction for that game on Wednesday
3: night. Uh, well, I, I hope you will both get in contact with me once I've granted you three points and it will be 3-0, 3-1. We might, I'd like to think we might score a goal, but I can't really see it, unfortunately.
2: 3-0 or 3-1. Jonesy, now, you, we were having a chat earlier on and you were giving me a little bit of stick for, uh, for suggesting that uh, our club could score eight goals in our next two Premier League encounters, home to Norwich and home to Leeds. Um, John seems to be on my side of the coin as far as the Norwich game goes. Uh, what is your view?
1: Well, I, th- I think you were being a little bit unfair, well, a little bit overconfident on beating Leeds more than we beat them in the FA Cup. Just on the basis you know. that we beat them in the FA Cup, um, <laughs> but I, I, I think uh, I do agree with John. I think it'll be sort of three nil three. Let's go three one. Let's go three one. <laughs> Give me something.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: you've been very charitable with John Jonesy and this. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go th- yeah,
1: three three two actually.
3: No, <laughs> no. no. Yeah,
2: John doesn't he doesn't want your charity, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're insulting him now. <laughs> right, brilliant. Man. Well, look, John, uh, it's been great having you. I am still going to stick with my original thing uh, that West Ham will score eight out of the next two games. And I can't see you scoring either. So I'm going to go 4-0. We haven't had a 4-0 for ages. My favourite score. So, uh, well, yeah, West yeah. Ham 4-0. Yeah, sorry about that, John. I know it doesn't sound... Um, very good for you at the moment. But uh, if people want to listen to your podcast, the new old Norwich podcast, I think I'm right. So, where can they get it?
3: Yes, uh, they can get it on, on all good Apple, Google, uh, Amazon, Spotify, all the usual places.
2: Excellent, John Cushion. There, uh, big Norwich fan. Uh, great to have you with us for the first time. Thanks very much, and stay with us because we'll have the Betway Charity Bets next. Hey, John Cushing there, Jonesy, broadcaster and Norwich fan. Great to have John on for the first time. Some excellent uh, insights into Norwich. They're always interesting, mate, looking at the Canaries, because I just think I'd basically be in John's boat. I understand the style of play and I appreciate it. it's about balance. You know, I hated it under Allardyce. I know we were winning some games, but I, it was a real chore to go and watch us, I thought. Uh, so interesting to hear John there just saying, yeah, albeit the style of football's nice and the ethos of the club's brilliant, but it would be nice to win a few Premier League games every now and then and not just be a cert for relegation as soon as you come up. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll have John back on the podcast again Betway charity bet. So, Jonesy is what we're here for right now. Just a reminder that me and the lads, me, James Jones, and Reese Bayliss, who's still absent from the pod, um, but involved behind the scenes, we make our Betway charity bet selections for each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games. We are given a £50 charity stake by Betway each week to put on a three legged bet, um, bet your way. A bet on the Betway which then goes on the Betway website and if any of those bets win then the money goes to the three West Ham related charities that me and the lads are playing for and Jonesy, you are playing of course for the DT38 Dylan Tombides Foundation, Reese is playing for Isla's Fight and I am playing for the Bobby Moore Fund brilliant work we've done so far this season only a few, three and a half grand I think we've got in the uh, Kitty, at the moment, or around that region. We've raised 12 and a half last season, so we need to pick it up a little bit. Betwear, of course, matching uh, any winnings of ours uh, that we win at the end of the season, which is great form. From them. So Josie, as I mentioned, no bets to look back on this week because we had leads and it was in the FA Cups. So we're only betting on the Premier League games this season. But that does mean two games to look forward to. We'll start with Norwich first of all. And I'd like to throw to you if that's okay. You can tell me, if you don't mind, what you've got for yours. Uh I'll tell you mine and then we can go. You can let me know what Reese Bayliss has gone for as well.
1: Yes, for Norwich I've gone I've gone a little bit different and obviously it's, um, it's no secret I haven't won a bet yet this season, um, so I've tried something a little bit different this this week. Uh, West Ham have seven or more shots on target. That is excessive. Um, well, you know, why not? Uh, Bowen to score or assist, and West Ham to win to nil. Uh, for the Norwich game, seven, mate, seven you, is loads, and it's only eleven to two. That's what I was gonna say. Well, you think it's loads, but eleven to two suggests that maybe it's a little bit more realistic. I
2: mean, that seems that seems really harshly low. Five and a half to one for well, seven shots on target seems like loads. I know Norwich are bad.
1: Yeah, but like but, if if we if we're gonna win four nil, like you think we're gonna win, yeah, then there's four shots on target straight off the bat before. You know, they'd probably save a few, wouldn't they? Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's fair enough, mate. And like you say, it's unlikely Norwich are going to score. If we're going to win and do well, then Jared Bowen is going to be involved. So, score and assist. I suppose that's it. Score or assist is quite, that's quite a, a given, isn't it? If West Ham yeah. are going to have seven on target, he's going to be involved in at least one, isn't he? Just trying to play
1: it safe a little bit. I'm just sorry you get to get, get a bit on the
2: yeah. Fair enough, mate. All right, fair enough. I'll take it back. My initial criticism, I think I reacted a bit too quickly there. Uh, I've gone for West Ham to win Antonio to score two or more and there to be more than 3.5 goals in the game. That's eight to one. I thought that was really generous.
1: You think it's what, eight to one is larger than it should be?
2: No, no, not larger than it should be. I, I think, I just think they're good odds. I think that's a good bet. At eight to one. Um, yeah, I think West Ham are going to win the game. It basically just relies on Antonio scoring at least two, doesn't it? Because if Antonio yeah. bags twice, he got his four, didn't he, in that game at Norwich. Obviously, likes playing against them. Um, yeah, he seems to have found his sort of swagger again, working a bit harder, found his goal-scoring form and just looks generally a bit more at it. So, if Antonio scores two, you get the feeling we might get another one from somewhere, which also then means there's over three and a half goals in the game and West Ham likely win that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a few high scorers recently with the Palace, the Watford game as well against teams down there. So,
1: no, I've got a very, very good feeling
2: about that one, mate. And can you tell me what Reese has gone for for the Norwich game Wednesday night?
1: Reese has gone for West Ham to score in both halves. Uh, Tommy Suchek any time, and West Ham to get over seven and a half corners.
4: That's
2: over seven and a half corners. Is very that's hopeful as well, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, It's quite high. 11 to 1, that is. 11 to 1.
1: Decent price.
2: Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad. Just that corners one makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, but just don't forget, like I mentioned already, you can place these bets or back these bets for yourself, if you so wish you like the sound of them, on the Betway website and app. Just go to, in this instance, the West Ham Norwich game, but in general, the game in question. Uh, go to pre-built bets. Scroll down there and you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast bets. My one will have my name on it. James will have his on it and Reese's will have his and so on. Uh, Jonesy, we've got two Premier League games before our next podcast. We've also got some Leeds selections to run through. You will post these graphics up with the odds, won't you, later in the week when they mm-hmm. land. The Norwich ones will be up soon, no doubt. Uh, so the Leeds game, Jonesy, what have you gone with?
1: So Similar train of thought to Norwich one, but after your reaction to my Norwich one, I think I think we're in line for a similar, similar reaction. West Ham to win under two and a half goals. We're to have eight or more shots on target.
2: But under two and a half goals, What? where's the logic there? I don't really understand it, mate.
1: Well, it was under two and a half when we beat them 2-0 at the weekend. Um, I think we'll be coming up against a stronger lead side, only by one or two players, but I think they'll they'll be a little bit better than, than what we faced on Sunday. Mm. Um, yeah, and I just don't see many goals in that game. You, but you seem
2: to have be a little bit. You're sort of betting on West Ham being wasteful or uh, Ilan Meslier being really good, aren't you? With eight yeah. eight plus shots on target, yeah. but less than two point five goals in the game. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> I, think um, I mean, it's not totally unrealistic, but I just think we'll we'll, we'll have quite a few chances. But yeah, I think um, a bit wasteful like we were in the cup. A bit wasteful, game. yeah. I mean, I use the cup game as inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Them.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I had a bit of a mare when I tried to type out my bet uh, in the group chat, first of all, to let Chad from Betway know what we were doing. Um, what I actually wrote um, was Antonio to score, Bowen to score more than West Ham to score either three or four. <laughs> that was what I actually wrote, yeah. uh, which made zero sense whatsoever, of course. What I actually meant to say and what I've actually gone with Is Mikel Antonio to score any time? Jared Bowen to score any time? And West Ham to score either three or four in the game. So it could be 3-0, 3-1, 3-2, whatever. We could even technically lose. I haven't backed the West Ham win. I've just got a feeling West Ham will score exactly three or four. Um, Yeah, and Antonio will score one of them and Jared Bowen will score... One of them. We haven't got the odds for those yet, but um, they will be coming from Chad later in the week and go up on our Twitter. James, what has Rhys Bayliss gone for for the Leeds game Sunday afternoon? Two o'clock, London Stadium in the Premier League.
1: Reese has gone both teams to score. Uh, big Craig Dawson anytime, time. And Leeds to have over five and a half corners.
2: Hmm. I mean, you two have gone very rogue this week. I thought mine was a little bit niche and a little bit different, but you and Reese have gone... Very- a little bit, and I think I used this phrase last week, so hopefully you'll forgive me again, but ask about face. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fair well, enough, we'll
1: it, mate. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm in a situation where I've not won a bet yet, so I might as well start doing silly things just, just out of, yeah. Stabbing desperation is a word for it, mate.
2: Happy days mate Happy days Well fingers crossed We can pull in some money For those three brilliant West Ham charities This week Two huge Premier League games Stay with us Because we'll be looking ahead To the uh, One on Sunday The Leeds game A repeat of last week's Groundhog Day At London Stadium With Kieran Ben Sports journalist And Leeds fan From the Sun Next (laughs) Happy New Year from our friends over at Manscaped. It's that time of the year when we all commit to changing something in our lives for the better. So why not turn to Manscaped to ensure your grooming is on point and the best it can be throughout 2022. As New Year's resolutions go, pledging your commitment to your male grooming routine is the least you can do. And Manscaped's performance package 4.0 has everything you need to ensure you don't drop the ball early on and remain consistent in keeping things neat and tight all year round and to help you get off to the perfect start you can get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code we are west that's 20 percent off
1: and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code we are yep the manscape performance package is everything to boost your below the waist grooming game from the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer With advanced skin-safe technology that reduces cuts and nicks, the Crop Preserver, which is a spray that protects against chafing, and the Crop Reviver, which would ensure things down there remain fresh at all times. To top it all off, you even get a shed travel bag so you can carry all of your precious Manscaped products in style everywhere you go. Will, have you got any grooming-related New Year's resolutions knocking about?
2: Well, uh, mate, as you know, we got the uh, our hands on the weed whackers earlier this year. And whilst I thought I was a bit too young for trimming nose hair, uh, I had noticed a couple of rogue ones creeping out the nearer I got to 30. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my resolution this year. Regular use on the weed whacker and make sure those uh, nose hairs are in check and there's no rogue ones creeping out for everyone to see.
1: Fair, fair. Mine is just a bit more on top of it. I have the same New Year's resolution every year, which is just to be better at everything. <laughs> and everything in in that bracket, everything is maybe a little bit of fitness, work, parenting now. Um, Now I've got another one, which is grooming. So I'm going to be better at grooming, self-grooming, below and above the waist. Um, And the nose hairs definitely need to be done a little bit more regularly than they have been. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. Glad to 100%. hear it. So, to get your hands on the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and to see all the other top quality male grooming products they have available this new year, head over to manscaped.com today. And remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WE ARE WEST That's 20% off and free shipping with the code WE ARE WEST at manscaped.com. Have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped.
2: As I mentioned, then, we're doing something a little bit different with the opposition view this week. Of course, because we played Leeds twice in the space of eight days on Sunday at the London Stadium. In the FA Cup third round, West Ham coming out reasonably comfortable 2-0 winners. Probably would have been less comfortable with Dan James, former Manchester United star, could have found his shooting boots. But, alas, it wasn't to be for the visiting horde of Leeds fans. Around 9,000 of them, I think. Uh, decent showing. On Sunday. And yeah, we will look ahead as well because they make that long old trip down the M1 again Sunday afternoon for the game at the London Stadium in the Premier League. I'm delighted to say joining us is friend and colleague of the show or friend of colleague of mine, uh, friend of the show, uh, sports journalist from the Sun It's Kieran Ben and a big, big, big Leeds fan. Kieran, delighted to have you with us. Got to get your reaction first I think mate so look back to that game in the FA Cup on Sunday all in all I think West Ham my opinion West Ham seemed to be the better team and controlled much of the game however chances wise we were very very sloppy I thought uh, and when you leave it to 1-0 the game is always there for the taking or the draw is always there to be had a couple of big chances missed by you guys but what did you make of the performance from your team as a whole?
4: Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, the performance, was, it's, it's been a lot of what has been, say, the last month or so with, um, with you know, it's sort of a chop change team. Um, Performance-wise, don't think we played at all very well. Um, we couldn't create anything. It was like in the first half, we, we fought well and we, we stayed in the game, but there wasn't, you know... It wasn't like chance after chance for us. It was it was it was that for West Ham. And I thought Jared Bowen was probably well. I was most impressed by Jared Bowen, but he's been doing it for weeks now, hasn't he? So um, I think we had two you know, two young um, uh, debuts with Lewis Bate and and Helder at the back. I thought Helder did really well against Antonio. Um, I thought that was quite a good battle, um, similar to Charlie Cresswell early in the season with Antonio um, at Ellen Road. They had a good battle. Um, it was two youngsters. So. Um, that, that's that's the kind of the positive of the whole thing, really. It's that you got two youngsters playing, um, uh, made the debuts, but we just lacked any creativity um, or link-up play. And even when we pressed, um, I felt West Ham just always looked comfortable.
2: Mm. Did you? I mean, I I sort of felt a little bit disappointed for the away fans. I get, I Again, I, and I get this sense from talking to you away from the podcast, Darren from LS11, who we had on last week, looking ahead to that game. There doesn't seem to be any animosity from Leeds fans towards Bielsa, which, are, again, mainly it seems because it's his first real huge blip since he's been in charge and it's massively, you're massively rocked by injuries as well, any team without Calvin Phillips, particularly, and also Bamford as well as the other guys you've got. Uh, out at the moment it does, there's no one really that rattled towards Bielsa mm. I al- almost felt bad because I, I always love It's one of my favorite things about football is large away followings and vociferous away followings and big away wins I love being part of it and I thought it really made the game made the occasion on Sunday as much as I was disappointed to get Leeds when the draw was made because I thought oh that's a bit banana skinny and I'd rather have had Rotherham at home or someone As it turned out, it was a brilliant occasion. Some of those third-round ties can be awful. My housemate went up to um, uh, Leighton Orient away at Stoke at the weekend, and there was like a 1,000 Leighton Orient fans and only barely 5,000 fans in the whole ground. 9,000-odd Leeds fans there was there, which I thought was brilliant. It really made for a spectacle and made the occasion look good because it also made the home end look fuller as well with that end taken up. I was a little bit... Sort of almost disappointed on the Leeds fans' behalf because for that whole game, there was really nothing you could get your teeth into or, or get excited about or, or really get behind. I just it was almost like the guy Bielsa had decided before he wasn't that bothered
4: about going on in the competition.
2: Did you get that sense, or is there any disappointment from your side?
4: Obviously, you know when you watch when you watch a team at any point, you want to perform and you want to be able to at least go away thinking we gave a good go of it, um, which I think you could really argue we did that um, for the last maybe 15, 10 minutes of the game, I think really, because the rest of it was um, so loose and and just doesn't, I've, I think I've said this to you before with our teams when we don't have players. So like Bamford and Gavin Phillips are our two most important players. And obviously Bamford got a bit of a knock after just come back from injury again on the weekend. So couldn't play. So we've got Sam Greenwood up front. I think when you've got, a system which is basically um, working up by practice and practice and practice. So it's like clockwork. When you've got so many players out, it's not really, it just doesn't click. And on the weekend, um, it almost looks like it's too slow. Usually when we've played, in, when I spoke to you before, in, maybe in our first season, um, not so much against West Ham, but in the other games, um it does move quick and we move quick up the field and we start these passages of play that are so rehearsed and so um memorable and you can pretty much say what we're going to do every time but it just doesn't work at the moment especially with players out um and it's sort of a chop and change team um and it's really really frustrating as a fan to see your team play so well as you guys know say when um your team's playing so well and you've seen them do it before and then they just don't, and they can't, and um, but I think to be honest with you, that's a massive credit to to your club because you have had a massive change around it, you know, and come and playing great football. You had a strong team out, so that if if anything, that's kind of a uh, a little bit of a I don't know what the word is for for us. It makes us feel a bit better about it because um, we yeah, sure, strong West Ham team. I think it. Uh, I think. We just need our players back to be able to do, Mm. um, to push on. Played Burnley um, the other week and we had a bit of a better team together, you know, played quite well, played one of our best performances of the season um, and won that and you start to think, okay, we might have a chance here. But then going into the game the weekend, we just, we just nothing clicked um, from defence, midfields or an attack. Sam Greenwood barely touched the ball. So, yeah, it's tough.
2: Jonesy, what, what did you? I mean, you've sort of heard what Kieran said there about credit to our club. I thought just from because we're doing this a bit different, just a bit conversational, more about West Ham side of stuff. James, what Kieran touched on it there, the strength of our team. I was, I was honestly, I was, I was delighted when the the strong team. I know we've got Norwich again Wednesday, and and Moisey sort of spoke on it. Uh, I think literally today on Monday, I think he he said that he's not going to make a huge deal about. We've got a lot of games, and and that's that. Um, but he still played a really strong team and it seemed to be somewhat of a signal of intent um, because I think with the fans, he certainly would have got away with playing a slightly more weakened side, perhaps if a couple of youngsters had got a run out. I don't think there'd have been too many grumblings. He didn't. He went for a really strong team and, and it paid dividends. Were you pleased with that or did you think it was a bit of a risk?
1: I mean, there's always a risk, particularly when you consider the size of our squad. So much being made of the fact we haven't got like real strength and depth. So yeah, is it worth a risk? risk, Then do you think? I think so. Um, Three games in a week, it's always going to be a little bit of a risk. But I think when you when you consider the fact that David Moyes has has always said that he'll he'll give he'll give every competition a good go, Um, and he's only really weakened a a starting eleven. In that then that final group stage Europa League game where we'd all yeah, qualified, so which didn't matter. So, did it. Yeah. It didn't matter. so um, and he's a type of manager that shows respect to every every competition that, that that he plays in. So I wasn't really surprised to see the starting eleven so strong as it was. Um, and I think yeah, it's a sort of competition. given given that we've been good in the league, we can afford to go for the FA Cup a little bit like like we did last season as well. So yeah, I was happy to see it. Happy to see the starting eleven the way it was and. The only, the only grumbling I've got is that it seems a bit weird that Fournau seems to have drifted off into the bench a little bit. I do not
2: late. understand that.
1: Yeah, I do not get one. it. It's a strange one. But obviously, Lanzini's in great form. But hmm. I would have probably liked to have seen Fournelle's start. But other than that, yeah, I'm happy with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Would you would you make a lead, then, while well, we've got Kieran with us, Jonesy? Because the only thing... You say that was your only grumbling. My main grumbling of that entire afternoon was just how completely wasteful we were in the final third. Ilan Meslier has never, ever had such an easy round of catching practice in his entire life. I'm not even joking, mate. There was so many, wherever it was from, corners, free kicks, dead balls, open play crosses. It was just like, no, no, you stay where you are, Elan. We'll put it on the plate for you, son. You, You can have this one. Don't worry about it time and time again. It was absolutely infuriating me.
1: I think I think we're very fortunate that Leeds' team was was weaker. Um I think we're fortunate that Rafinha didn't start the game because well, as the game went on, I know we came in at half time, but as the game went on, we were all saying near us was like, It's only one nil. We're wasting we're wasting chances. There's only one way this game's going, and that's Leeds getting a late, late equalizing and it going to penalties, and then Leeds nicking it because it was the sort of you could see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We 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 got the got the goal and the counter attack at the end to seal it, but you could almost see it playing out in front of us that we were going to end up throwing it away, um, despite being the better team on the day, in, in my opinion. But but yeah, I thought it's, it's difficult to really judge Leeds. Um, and as Kieran said, the amount of amount of injuries that Leeds have got, you can't. It's very difficult to judge Leeds based on on that performance, given the fact that the two star players are out. Rafinha only played after the game. A um, couple of young debutants in there. Um, and I don't know what Kieran thinks, but really, I not really can't really afford an FA Cup run given the league form. Do you not think, Kieran?
4: I, I personally, I, I'm in that position. Well, it's different. For, I say how our teams differ. I think West Ham. On the brink of being able to maybe challenge Champions League um, places, just be, you know, based off the fact that your form is so good you've got a good manager, you've got a good setup. Um, I think FA Cup is a competition West Ham definitely should always take seriously because it's a chance you've actually got to win in silverware. Because um, I mean, no disrespect, you're not going to win the league, are you? So, um, and it's tough in Europe. Um, for us, I think let's just let's just keep our players fit in the league. We need to stay up. This is a massive season, bigger than last season. Um, mm because if we, if we survive this season, we could really actually push on. We just need to survive this season. That's always been the goal. Um, I think yesterday was just a... Um, it, it was it was nice to see the youngsters start, and I wouldn't want to get any more players injured. It's, it would be more frustrating. Um, I think um, I think the, the game just went the way I kind of expected it to. Hoped, obviously, it wouldn't. Um, I mean, let's not talk about the first goal, even though it should have been offside. Um, but uh, regardless of that, at the end of it, I was thinking... When it was two 0 I was like, well, they wouldn't probably wouldn't have scored the second one if we didn't push up so much because we wouldn't have been one of down. But it. it's just a, well, that's just excuses, isn't it? Because West Ham quality, and I think um, I think the fair result of the game was always going to be a West Ham win. I think injuries-wise, um, for our side, if we don't get our players back quickly, or at least Bamford, if Bamford gets a regular we'll get running the side because that's where our press starts. Um, and it's what we've been lacking is our main striker, which is like the most important position as well as come Phillips. So uh, what we need is um, Bamford regularly back in the side and we might be able to pick up points here and there. But until that um, happens, I think uh, we're going to continue to struggle.
2: Uh, You mentioned it there, Kieran. You said, let's not talk about it. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, James, (laughs) you first. Jared Bowen. Now, I'll be honest, I I saw the highlights back briefly earlier and they didn't really dwell on the offside and I didn't see any still images. I was obviously in the ground. Um, I, I was a bit baffled at first. I was like, oh, that's going to get given because I just saw a still on the big screen in the stadium and so can someone just explain to me what part uh, what part in the passage of play was he deemed or suspected to have been offside? Was the original pass or was it when it was all, James was just shaking his head like it, it was never I think
1: offside it, at any point? I think it was the melee, wasn't it? It was all, all like right. everyone was falling all over each other. To
4: me, it looked like the shot. It looked like the shot from, um, pardon me, was it Lanzini or or Bowen? Um, The shot, and then he was offside from that moment. And then because he challenged it um, as a shot, because it's not our defender didn't try and play the ball, which is obviously the the rule now, isn't it? If someone tries to play the ball, then the offside gets revoked or, or, or whatever the word is. And but as he kicked it, he was offside, and then because he challenged it. It just, I, I, could not believe it wasn't getting, given, off offside because I was, I was like, oh well, okay, thank God, like back to square, uh, square one again because it's going to be nil-nil, and when it, I was just baffled because, surely he interfered with play, like how do you not interfere with play when you basically stand on the goalkeeper, um, obviously I didn't <laughs>
2: stand
4: the goalkeeper, but he stood in front of him, like it would have made the, the save, he could have maybe claimed it off the back of it or at least done a better job if Bowen wasn't there. Um, I, I think m- one of my West Ham friends said said to me, um, if it was the other way round, I think you'd you'd say differently. I thought well, I actually don't. I think I'd accept an offside.
2: I was going to ask you that. Back. Yeah, yeah. Would you, if it was the other way round, would you be like, oh, we've got away one there?
4: I, th- I honestly, I think, I think if that had been given offside, it's very easy for me to say this, and I, I understand that. But I think maybe I, I, probably more a question for you guys. If you, if that had been given offside, surely you would have just thought. Uh, well, yeah, I can see why.
1: John I can't
4: see why the other way around.
1: Yeah, I think you can. Um, I, I would probably feel the same. Um, but then I think the, the key thing here is the fact that where VAR is invo- uh, um, involved, like it's, it's brought in for if it's a clear and obvious error. And I don't think that was a clear and obvious error. And the fact it took them what? three or four minutes to really try and work out whether it was offside or it wasn't offside and then they made the decision rightly or wrongly. And we're now debating it now. Still, was it offside? Was it like it's not clear and obvious error. So yeah, okay, probably would accept that it was offside. Um but at the same time if it's not clear, clear and obvious error then why we why why did it even go, go to the AO in the first place? If you know what I mean. like it's a goal. Because it's not clear and obvious error <laughs> we're still talking about whether it was or it wasn't
4: what, what, it's, for me, that's one. I know they don't really do it with offsides, but that for me, that would be one to sort of send the ref over and say, do you think he's interfering with play? And then the ref makes the I
2: team. mean, that does. So, so, lads, I'm just watching it back again, right? I'm just watching it back here to get a clear idea for myself. And it's Vlasic, isn't it? Rolls the rolls of, rolls a defender on the edge of the box, turns his way, makes his way towards goal. I was screaming for a penalty then because it seemed like he was getting tugged back when he was through. So I was screaming for a pen then. But if it's that action from Vlasic, Bowen is in an offside position. He runs towards it. And then the melee ensues. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Because if Bowen doesn't challenge for the ball with Meslier on the floor, it doesn't then spit out again mm. for Lanzini to knock it in. But um, as it was a blatant 100% penalty on Vlasic who was being tugged back on his way through. I think we can uh, move on from this and say justice was <laughs> was definitely done. Um, Bowen's goal at the end obviously was, was on the counter-attack. Uh, Kieran, Dan James... I believe he was the one who missed both of what looked from where I was sitting to be absolute screaming sitters.
4: Oh, no way.
2: With the, yeah, <laughs> the, the highlights seem to sort of give it, cut him a little bit of slack. I think perhaps they're a bit harder than where they looked from where I was sitting at the other end. Um, what did you make of those and your opinion on those as well, Jonesy? Because I know it's down your end of the ground. Um,
4: I, it was it was what I expected it to be, you know. When the ball comes whipping in like that, I do, it, It's you either get a bit of luck or you don't. I think that there's not much Dan could have done, and especially that second one. I think it was was it. Or Dawson? you're a
2: pro footballer. You used to play for Man United, and you divert it in. That is one of the well, options I, that could happen as well. Let's not
4: mention. Let's not mention. he used to play for Man United. Um. Uh. He's. <laughs> I think it's unfortunate. The Dawson one. I I think anybody in the world would have expected Dawson to be able to clear that. So when it's coming like that, how are you really gonna um hmm. just react that quickly? Um I think the the other one just just um I can't remember, you're gonna have to remember, it just hit it just hit him again, didn't it? And it just went wide of the right post. Um I I I've got no complaints about it. Mainly because if you look at the way of the game anyway, if it was um you know, if I if I thought, oh, this game is going either way and we, we've really got a chance of getting something here, those were our two chances the whole game. Um, mm. And I don't think either of them were clear-cut, uh, really, because of the way it happened. I think very much if you say, oh, you've got a, a player standing in the middle of the goal or, or in the six-yard box and the ball comes into him, they should always score. It's not really the way football works, is it?
2: No, no, no. I see what you mean, mate. Yeah, fair enough. I'd say from where I was sitting, I was like, as soon as it was approaching, I was like, that's in. Uh, Jonesy, just kind of back up what Kieran said there, because I was like, blimey,
1: like, <laughs> we have got away with two absolute stonkers there, but apparently I think, not. I think we felt more for the for the second one. He should have probably done a lot better, and we kind of all gasped a little bit, and we like go in front of me. He had his head in his hands, kind of like, oh my god, like here we go again. <laughs> yeah, um, but. Yeah, I, I kind of do agree with Kieran. I think my second one it fisted him a little bit. Um, should have done better, I think, given you know he used to play for Man United and, and stuff like that. I'm expecting <laughs> to be a little bit better, but um, yeah, I think I do agree with with Kieran. I don't think they were as clear cut as they initially seemed in in real time. Yeah, but you'd expect a player like Dan James to do a little bit better.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, look, West Ham. Uh, I think we're all agreed. It's fair to say that West Ham deserved to win the game a little bit. I was a little bit concerned with how sloppy we seemed to be in the final third, but um, ultimately a, a reasonably comfortable performance. I thought, and absolutely delighted to get through that uh, Kidderminster away on in the fourth round. We've got, which was an absolutely beautiful draw. Um, I was genuinely in a bad mood listening to it because before West Ham came out. I was in the car on the way back from the game, and there was a few like all championship ties. All the big teams were still left in. And I was like, "Here we go." I don't know why I even bother. I can't be bothered. Cup competitions are stupid. What's the point of this? We're going to win the league anyway. I don't even care. And then we got Kidman's, so I'm like bouncing away on the uh, on the four o six. Yeah, that game is scheduled to take place the weekend, fourth, fifth, and sixth of February. I've heard uh, conflicting things at the moment. One report suggesting it's. Three o'clock on the Saturday um, another suggested it was Friday night the Friday night one may be likely I would imagine given uh, they'll probably want to put it on the TV do you know that for certain Jonesy or I
1: don't think it's been announced yet but um no. I, I, well, if good. it's not if it's not picked for TV then I'd be amazed
2: yeah, Google are telling me um, that it's the fifth, and my Apple Maps automatic West Ham calendar, uh, sorry West Ham fixtures update that goes in my calendars telling me it's a Friday. So uh, sure that'll be confirmed with uh, within time. Kieran, let's have a look ahead then mm. to this game uh, on Sunday in the Premier League. It's a strange situation, isn't it? Um, I explained to you before. I think I had to pick one because of my work schedule. I either went to the cup game or the league games. Foot got the cup. Uh, just something a bit different. And just in case you went out, it, it does add a bit of a weird dynamic to the game. Well, I, I, I suppose what are you expecting, if anything, to be different um, at the London Stadium on Sunday. I mean, the weather's likely going to be the same. It's the kickoff time is exactly the same time. It sort of feel a little bit Groundhog Day. Hopefully, it is with the result as well. But what what are, what changes at all are you expecting to your team, the performance, the game, the result, whatever?
4: Um, it is it's it is weird, isn't it? You don't you don't usually get um this kind of schedule. But what I'd like to see is more like a performance as we had against Burnley. Um, I'd like to see. Bamford's injury that apparently he's picked up on his hip ahead of the game on the weekend, not to be serious, so he can play. Um,
2: loves an I, injury, doesn't
4: he? Yeah. Do you, do you know, I went, the, was it was a Brentford game, um, start of December, first game back, come on, scored in the 90th minute to, to equalise and then got injured from the celebration and now he's injured again. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, but him back could change things, um, but just solely based on, unbalancing the game with the press um, because you're too comfortable at the back I thought on the weekend I thought, um, I thought that's what, what was most frustrating for me is Sam Greenwood was making the press but the team almost weren't backing each other in places but that's probably because the players aren't used to playing with each other at that point but I'd like to see more of a lineup um that we're familiar to see and maybe Cock and Llorente at the back um, in centre-half um with Furpo and Ailing on the as fullbacks. I think that that's probably our best uh, best hope for for keeping more of a solid defence. Um, and I'd like to see Forshaw sure start in the midfield because he's been brilliant since he's come back from injury. Um I just think I just think it's going to be difficult to really see much more of a different outcome. I think West mm. Ham have you we, beat us every time that we've played you. I mean the one earlier the season when I think it was Rafinha who opened the goal scoring and Antonio won it in the last second. Um, I thought, again, it seems every time I have a bit of hope for it, but this is the one where I'm thinking I actually don't have that much hope for picking up three points this time around. Yeah,
2: the- yeah I, and I must admit, it, it's strange, isn't it? Because sometimes when that happens, it has happened in the past with like the double games and all that sort of stuff, it almost sometimes gives the each manager a chance to figure out something about the other team, but I don't think West Ham particularly exposed anything. There was no like secret weapon, was there? There was just like turn up and and play better than Leeds, and that, that's kind of what happened. Um, Jonesy, your your thoughts ahead of the game is uh, maybe it's misplaced, but I'm almost a little bit overconfident about this. I'm just I really can't see there being any problem. I mean, we could have played for another couple of weeks, all right, the, especially as the Dan James chances weren't as easy as I thought. Um, yeah, we, we were just sloppy. We need to be more clinical, but I, 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 I'm I almost in the mindset where it could be more. We, we could go out and, and do a, a, a 3 or a 4 nil or a 3 or a 4-1 at the weekend rather than a,
1: just the somewhat conservative 2 nil that we got on Sunday. I mean, it's a difficult one to call because I think Leeds will be stronger in terms of the lineup, as as Kieran just said, I think I think we'll see a different lead, whether it's completely different leads given the injuries, it's a different matter. But there'll be a, there'll be a stronger lineup. Uh, Will probably be unchanged, depending on what happens against Norwich on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, I, I just I'm I'm a little bit cautious to be kind of as overconfident as you are, Will, because as much as we're having a great season up to this point, just we're, we're still West Ham, and mm. so that we can't take anything <laughs> for granted, um, even if we have suddenly become massive all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, you know, be we, we are still West Ham and we are very occasionally just reminded that we're still West Ham. So I'm I'm quietly confident that we can get another result, but I wouldn't be, yeah, you know we should go and win this three four one or three four nil because yeah. um because, yeah, you just, you just never know, Dan, especially given that we've got still got a game to play against Norwich on Wednesday. You don't know what's going to happen with
2: that one. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right then, lads. Well, look, Kieran, it's been brilliant having you with us again on the show, as we always do. Just uh, give us a score prediction Sunday afternoon, 2pm repeat of last week's game at the London Stadium, only this time in the Premier League.
4: Do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> um... Um, oh, I'm always positive with the score predictions. Um, so, let's just go with a one-all draw.
2: A one-all draw, says Kieran. Uh, 16th place leads, played 19 on 19 points. Seven, no, eight points clear of, of Burnley, uh, who are in 18th. Um, so, eight points clear of the relegation zone. Unlikely Burnley are going to win both those games in hand. One of them's against Tottenham, I know. Mm. Uh, it's... Just quickly then, Jonesy, we'll do yours first and then I'll ask you one more little yes or no question before you go, Kieran. Jonesy, score prediction?
1: Uh, I'm going to go for for the same scoreline, 2-0. Um, yeah. we've, won, we've, won, we've beaten these 2-0 both times they've come to the stadium, so I fancy making that trick. Okay, nice one. So, 2-0 was that, mate? Sorry, it dipped yeah. it out a bit then. 2-0. Uh, I'm
2: going to go big. I'm going to go 4-1, I, I, I just reckon. I, I do think we've got a, a concession In us, but yeah, I just feel confident. I genuinely, I reckon we're going to absolutely wallop Norwich, and yeah, I think it's going to be the same. I genuinely think West Ham could score eight goals in the next two games. That's what we've got two. I'm clipping
1: clipping this moment, all right. We've got two two 1-0 defeats incoming now, you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, potentially so, mate, potentially so. But uh, look, Kieran, it's been brilliant having you with us on the We Are West Ham podcast again. Kieran Ben there, sports journalist from The Sun and huge Leeds fan. Thanks very much for joining us. Enjoy the game on Sunday, not too much, and we'll see you next time. Stay with us. On the We Are West Ham podcast, that was Kieran Ben, as I mentioned there. And stay with us because we've got Catherine Batty from the Daily Mail joining us next to talk about the West Ham women. Kieran Ben there from The Sun, big, big Leeds fan. Doesn't sound very positive about his team's prospects at the London Stadium. This weekend, but bodes well for us. Jonesy, I still need to, in, in our outro, we're going to have a serious chat about your general levels of pessimism about West Ham's chances of scoring eight goals in two matches because uh, I'm normally the negative, miserable one, suggesting that we're uh, we're only two defeats away from a certain relegation campaign. Um, and all of a sudden, I, I get a little bit of optimism, a little bit of hope that we're going to start banging him in and you don't want to know. Just keep, keep your feet on the ground, Will, you know. Just, uh, that. Well, look, Jonesy, uh, talking of keeping your feet on the ground, one person who seems uh, to need that exact same treatment, given her rapid rise to superstardom recently, we used to introduce her on the We Are West Ham podcast as Catherine. Well, I used to introduce her actually as Catherine Bat from the Daily Mail for about two years until she finally told me, despite semi-regular contact between the two of us, that her name's actually pronounced Batty. Um, So it's Catherine Batty from the Daily Mail, formerly just the Daily Mail's women's football correspondent, but now also BBC TV superstar. Catherine, how are you? Did that introduction do it and you justice?
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't have asked for much more there, to be fair. Um, (laughs) Very good.
2: Uh, What was the... So for those people listening who may be confused slash didn't see you, uh, how did... You're, you wing your way onto the BBC TV screens at the weekend um, which was I saw through your Twitter and Instagram so you're qu- clearly quite proud of it as <laughs>
0: well, you should
2: be as you should be like
0: um yeah I like to give the impression that I kind of know what I am to- talking about um, without <laughs> actually knowing what I'm talking about but basically I was the um, I, I was the only journalist pretty much there um, so there was there wasn't
2: where was this where was, what game were you at? Yeah,
0: so it was at the the Brighton Man City game and usually uh, it was on, you know, it's on the BBC Red Button and usually at the, on the BBC matches they speak to um, one of the written journalists at half-time just to kind of either ask them about the game or kind of stuff going on um, in the women's world. But um obviously the, it was nil-nil at half-time and not much had happened so he didn't speak much about the game. He ended up kind of speaking about COVID and transfers and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I was pretty much, it was a, a couple of other people there, but most people had either gone to Birmingham Arsenal or had always sort of isolating. So yeah. probably more through kind of lack of options than sort of anything else. I managed to sort of, yeah, go on for a couple of minutes.
2: <laughs> Don't be putting yourself down. that Josie, the one thing I'm a little bit concerned about is that um, although she's quite good at it, Catherine doesn't quite publicise her appearances on the We Are West Ham podcast as
1: much as she does on the BBC Red Button. Have you any thoughts on that? <laughs> No, well, let's you know. That's before we went live, Sanders, this is an upgrade to the BBC, obviously. So, fully expecting, <laughs> exactly. fully expecting uh later on this week when we do go live to to be all over your Instagram and and, yeah, and your Twitter
2: screen grabs. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Um, did you wheel out any cliches, Catherine? Is the is it true the rumours I'm hearing on the ground that you actually said live on television, uh it's a game of two halves. <laughs>
0: No, but if I had said that, they've been very accurate considering it was nil-nil at half-time and then Man City scored six in the second half. Um, <laughs> but no, um, that was just a, a little uh, a little joke caption. But um, no, it was mainly kind of, I say, because I've asked about COVID really and sort of transfers um, yeah. and not actually much on the game. I was hoping to get my Michael Owen line out about whoever scores the most goals wins, but um <laughs> I didn't quite have time for it.
1: absolutely
2: brilliant well look james jones is the king of cliches on this podcast so he would have been absolutely delighted to hear that you would wheeled out the game of two halves shtick um but we are we have got you here tonight not just because of your broadcasting brilliance but of course because your in-depth knowledge on the wsl and for our podcast the West Ham women. So before we we do that, it's been a bit of a, a a bit of a barren spell, if you like, women's football wise, quite a extended break. Um, so now i have got the serious stuff out the way, and your burgeoning TV career. What's sort of going on? Away from West Ham, perhaps, what are the big sort of stories in the WSL at the moment or in in the new year in particular, things that that, that listeners should be looking out for perhaps a bit further afield than just West Ham? What sort of things are interesting you or do you reporting on at the moment that, um, that sort of things to look out for at this time and further into the year?
0: Well, obviously, it's January, um, so transfers are kind of going on. Um, obviously, West Ham have you know, already made a sign in um, Emma who which I think I had to Google to, to how to pronounce. I'm still not convinced I've did it right. Um, Arsenal and Man United kind of fighting over Stina Black, Stinius, who is probably going to... Well, she's going to end up in the WSL. It's just a case of whether she goes to Arsenal or Manchester United. From where? Um, so she was playing for Hacken in Sweden, but their, sort of their league runs to a different time and she's out of contract there now. So, um, so she obviously played in the Champions League for them. Um, yeah, Swedish international, very good striker. Um, looked like she was probably going to go to Man United, but Arsenal have kind of come in and, um, you know, might be hijacking that one. Um, so next, you know, sort of next week or so, next few days, that might come over the line. Yeah. Um, Obviously we've got the Country Cup quarterfinals coming up um in a couple of weeks' time. West Ham got a very nice draw of Chelsea. Um mm. nice easy one. And of course Chelsea were previously in the Champions League, so you might have thought might not be too bothered about the Country Cup, but got knocked out of the Champions League on the last group game. So um I'm sure Emma Hayes will be um desperate to Get through in that one, and obviously, FA Cup WSL teams coming into the next round of the FA Cup at the end of the month as well. Um, so yeah, it's, there's plenty going on. I mean, obviously, if you it's a shame that so many games have been called off with, with Covid, but as we've kind of seen in you know in the Premier League, there's not an awful lot you can do, and sometimes the rules are a bit blurred. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. difficult,
1: Catherine. it's been, been a month since, since the last game. Um, and from a West Ham perspective, obviously they went into that to that break in such great form. Um, and now with the transfer window, the opportunity to strengthen the squad a little bit. How do you think Ollie Harder would have approached things during that break? Will he really have looked to kind of, I mean, looking to bring players in, he's already won in, But is it going to be business as usual? Do you, do you see him maybe making a few tweaks to the way, he's, the way he's been doing things, just to try and freshen things up a little bit and continue that run of form that they, they took into that break?
0: Yeah, well, I think the good thing for him is they're probably they're not really looking over the shoulders this season like they were yeah. last year. Um even though, you know, Birmingham was surprisingly beat Arsenal at the weekend, it, it still is likely gonna be between them and um Leicester to to go down, maybe Aston Villa if they get dragged into it. But he has got a chance now to maybe if he wants to have a look at other systems and um, as you say, kind of change things up, he can do that without maybe um, with a bit more freedom than he could have done in the in the first part of the season. Now they've got that um points tally on the board. But I, yeah, I think he'll just kind of want to see keep seeing progression. Obviously, you know, he's implemented his um philosophy in the squad now, they've had time to get used to it. But yeah, he'll want to bed in um Emma as well. Um of any other signings that he brings in, um he'll obviously look to bed them in as well. But um yeah, obviously they went into the break in good form and obviously it is a quite it is a bit of a shame that they've had such a long gap between play, you know playing before Christmas and, and playing now, but there's quite a few teams in that in that situation. Obviously, they played Tottenham at the weekend, and Tottenham's game against Chelsea was called off last you know, last weekend, and they'd gone into the break in quite good form as well. So um, they're in they're in the same boat as quite a few teams.
1: Do you think it would have worked? Do you think it would have worked in West Ham's favour though? Just having a bit of time off, or I mean, you know, you said most most teams are in the same boat, but I mean, you, you look at. You look at a month's break and you think, you know. Seems long, long, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a long time to go without playing competitive football. Um, do you think it would have worked in the favour? Do you think that we'll see West Ham and, you know, a lot of the other teams maybe taking a little bit of time to get back into a little bit of form and, and get back into back, back firing again?
0: Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it does take time because obviously they had the you know, unfortunate situation where they didn't play the last weekend before Christmas as well. So yeah. they've had a longer break than most teams. Um, and even Arsenal not playing before Christmas, coming back out against Birmingham, it seemed to affect them. And I wondered if that was part of the reason why they were a bit sluggish. It, you know, Birmingham had played Leicester, um, the, you know, the last weekend going into Christmas. And you, you don't know, you know, how much, how fresh Arsenal were but and what, how much of a difference it made. Um, but we've also seen kind of, you know, even in the men's game, when, when Man United came back a few weeks ago against Newcastle after it's sort of two... Two and a half week break, everyone thought they'd be really fresh, and actually they were quite slow. Um so that that it, it might be quite difficult for them coming back into that situation. Obviously Tottenham did play before Christmas and I think they won as well. Um so but they've also had a break and I'm not sure how much of a week how much of a difference a week before Christmas would make. Um you know they both both Tottenham and West Ham in the same vote in terms of after coming back from Christmas having that having that gap. So mm. um it's it's hard to predict really, but hopefully hopefully it won't it won't really make much of a difference.
2: So it's Tottenham away, Catherine, as you mentioned there, it's Sunday afternoon, quarter to seven or Sunday evening, quarter to seven kickoff. Spurs are absolutely flying this season. They had the the result against away at Man City earlier in the campaign, which I think perhaps it's fair to say surprised a couple of people, albeit Man City weren't on a great run. They've recovered a little bit City now up in fifth. Uh, West Ham on nine games on 13 points, actually just three points behind City with that game in hand, albeit with a worse goal difference. But Tottenham in third, seven points ahead of West Ham at the moment, having played a game more. Uh, absolutely flying. Is is that something you saw coming, or is that a, a pleasant surprise for fans of Spurs?
0: I, d- I don't think really anyone kind of realistically saw Tottenham as contenders for the top three at the start of the season. I think a few people kind of talked about Brighton and Everton, perhaps because um, Everton were making a lot of signings. Um, you know, Tottenham made a few, but not you know, not any that sort of massively would jump out and sort of say, oh, that's going to propel them to top three. But I think they've had the benefit of sort of similar to West Ham in that they had, you know, obviously Rianne Skinner came in last January, had time to obviously get, get the points that they needed to stay up last season and then has then had a whole summer with, you know, with the squad and has already been able to build kind of the, the type of football they want to play. And, you know, has got her team really well drilled. And um, I think we've kind of, people know what to expect from Tottenham a little bit more now, um, perhaps more so than they did at the start of the season. We know they're going to be, a team that digs in um, will kind of look to play on the break, look to sort of, you know, get Rachel Williams in behind and um, probably aren't going to dominate possession. So it's whether after after this break, whether the teams have maybe worked them out a little bit. And of course, they did lose to West Ham earlier in the season, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps maybe to, to some people's surprise because obviously Tottenham had been doing so well. But I think maybe in games where they're maybe expected to kind of go on the front foot a little bit more. Um, It doesn't actually suit them. It suits them to kind of let the opposition sort of maybe dictate the play, soak up the pressure and then, you know, try and get a goal on the break or or from a set piece. And, um, you know, they've they've taken points off a lot of big teams this season. Um, Obviously beat City, Drew with Arsenal, Drew with Manchester United as well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing pretty well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly not going into the game feeling nervous or anything like that about it. Uh, that game's Sunday evening, like I mentioned there, then it's Chelsea next up in the quarterfinals of the Conti Cup, as you've already mentioned. That's Wednesday 19th of Jan, so we'll have a chat about that on next week's podcast. Looking ahead to that Spurs game then, Catherine, how do you see it going, uh, sort of stylistically? Do you give West Ham uh, any chance and, and then give us a score prediction?
0: Yeah, I, I think West Ham will, you know, as we say, obviously beaten in Tottenham once so already this season. It'll be Really interesting to see how both teams approach it, whether, you know, West Ham, you know, attack Tottenham and try and, as you say, play on the front foot or whether they kinda almost sort of try and force Tottenham into coming forward and then um, you know, look to kind of get in behind. Because we know obviously Oli Harder likes his pressing style of football, which um worked last time against Tottenham. Um it's really it's really hard to call obviously with the with the gap that both teams have had. Um, but I, I could see it being quite a close one. Obviously, the first the first game in the season was quite close as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if um, it ended up a draw, which I know is kind of sitting on the fence massively. Uh, but yeah, I think I think if I was to to give a score prediction, I'd maybe say one one.
2: One 0 one. I think to be honest, after after the the break like that, Jonesy, after the break that you mentioned there, mate, and given the team's respective positions in the league and having already beat them already. I think just to get 2022 off and underway, would would you take a draw there just to get that points total ticking again in the new year?
1: 100% definitely take a point um, away from home as well. Uh, Tottenham in good form, haven't played in a month. Yeah, you, you just avoid defeat in this game. And I think you've got to look at it and, and say that's a good result.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. There's uh, Everton at home on the 23rd of Jan, coming up in the WSL before an away trip to Sheffield United in the fourth round of the Women's FA Cup on January the 30th. Then games against Villa, Leicester, Chelsea and Birmingham follow in the WSL. It's an exciting time for the West Ham women. The start of the season, I think. It's fair to say he's considered positive by everyone, Um, fans and journalists included. Most people we spoke to think just sort of do a, yeah, decent effort by Oli Harder, especially, I think, considering the the turnaround job, the turning the tank around that he had to do last season. He managed to do that and it seems to have pushed on. Things are going in the right direction rather than wrong, which is brilliant. Um, And there's every chance with the games coming up, if we can hit the ground running, In the early part of of this year, particularly this month, you sort of accept that you're likely to go out the Country Cup to Chelsea just as we did last year, albeit that was in the semi-final stage. Um, But if they can get a decent run on board, particularly in the league, there's no reason with as tight as it is in the WSL that they couldn't be knocking on the door further up the league. So Catherine tells me, that, uh, or tells us, that a draw would be a decent result. Me and Jonesy, I think, are of uh, the same opinion. Just looking ahead then, uh, Catherine, before we let you go, uh, what do you think would be a reasonable expectation? Now we're at sort of that halfway point in the season. Uh, what do you think would be a reasonable rest of the season for West Ham? Yeah, I think they're um,
0: seventh at the moment in the table, I think. Um,
2: uh, sorry, I just
0: ice. had it up. There. Yeah, oh, yeah I down not playing. So, yeah, I think... Just with that game area. in hand, obviously, yeah. Yeah, we're going into the break. I think we're seventh and that was a you know, pretty decent position, I think. Um, I do think Manchester City are uh, obviously beating Brighton at the week and I do think they're going to um, you know, get a backup to to possibly take third spot. And then you've obviously got Tottenham and Man United around sort of fourth, fifth. I'm um, also looking to get third and Brighton there as well. But um, you know, Brighton have struggled recently, so I lost two going into the break. Um, obviously, we lost heavily against Man City. There's no reason why West Ham we might sort of look at them and think that a team we could possibly maybe overtake if their the run continues. Um, and obviously, you mentioned the FA Cup. You know, she- Sheffield United, a, a division below, it should you know if he plays a strong enough team, Oli Haro should you know should be able to get through to the next round of that. And if um, the draw is kinder than the the County Cup, maybe a you know a cup run would be um, something West Ham could look at now, kind of being safe in the league.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think positive stuff all round. Fingers crossed we could pick up something at the weekend. Catherine, it's brilliant to have you with us, our first uh, West Ham Women Guest of the New Year. We wish you all the very best with your uh, up-and-coming television superstar career. When you leave newspapers and podcasting behind us, don't forget us, will (laughs) you?
1: Brilliant, absolutely brilliant.
2: (laughs) Catherine Butty, there from the Daily Mail, women's football correspondent, and Jared Bowen's number one fan, given her allegiances to Hull City. Great to have you back on the show again. Positive stuff for the West End women. Stay with us because that is pretty much it for another week from me and James Jones. But we'll have some final thoughts next. <laughs> There we have it. James Jones. Brilliant show tonight. Enjoyed that. Great having John on, new guest for the Norwich Opposition View ahead of Wednesday night's game. Um, And Kieran Ben, of course, returning guest. Uh, Appreciated Darren from LS11 last week. Nice to have a new and different Leeds voice to look back and ahead. Um, Yeah, enjoyed that one overall, mate. Been very concise. No non-football waffle. That's been kept to a to a minimum and Catherine betty there from the daily mail and now the bbc um spreading positive vibes about the west end women as well all in all uh, a great start and after my nose up of an introduction um it's actually gone pretty well isn't it it was sort of all uphill from there actually sorry right i'll tell you what we'll have some non-football waffle right we'll have some non-football waffle here Go on, then. that phrase yeah it's all downhill from here And when you say it the other way around, it's all uphill from here, that doesn't make sense. Because if you say it's all uphill from here, uphill suggests it's difficult, isn't it? I would much rather go downhill, be it walking, running, on a bike, or in a car. So when people say it's all downhill from here, it doesn't really make sense. Because if you say it's all downhill from here, it's like, brilliant, nice and easy then, because it's just downhill. Whether you're sitting on a sled, a pair of skis, a snowboard, a car, whatever it is, you use less juice in the car. If you're on a push bike, you want to be going downhill. Roller skates, perhaps a bit dangerous, then, to be fair. Do you know what I mean, though? I can't think of many examples in your life where you'd rather go uphill than down.
1: It's a very good point, to be fair. <laughs> and I mean, I think you must be the only person in the world that's ever thought of that phrase like that and gone, <laughs> hang on, that doesn't seem right. Um, but you do make a very, very valid point. Um, I mean, obviously it's to suggest that, you know, like you don't want to be going down anywhere, do you? I get the whole downhill thing's easier than going uphill, but you don't want to be going mm. down anywhere, do you? Um, like, ideally you no. want to be moving upwards. <laughs> Depends.
2: <laughs> Depends on your way of thinking, I suppose. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, but you know what I mean? You, don't, <laughs> you, you want to be moving up, up in life, not down.
2: Yeah, um, I, I... But yeah. you do
1: make a good point that, you know, if you're going to go downhill, then it's far reasoning going uphill. But, mm. I mean, we could be here forever trying to find yeah. different ways of the meaning.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we've done well to avoid the general dull waffle. <laughs> Until now, <laughs> that seems, yeah. That seems to be turning off slash angering some of the WIOA establishments. But then the numbers are still pretty decent, mate. So some people are obviously... Uh, some people obviously loving it. Get, I mean, do get in touch. We seem to get uh, sort of equal amounts um, social media and general reaction and feedback from from listeners to our <laughs> our non-football our duck um, for Christmas, our shed building, our email chat. We seem to get more feedback or as much of feedback from that as we do the what we say about football. For Nine on two hours every week. So do let us know. Um, it's all uphill or all up downhill from here. Do let us, you know, your thoughts in the usual places. Um, but back to the original point, Jonesy, after that terrible introduction from me, which the way it's been going, I don't think we can edit out now because we didn't record it again for one and it's it's formed part of a, an outstanding outro to the podcast. Um, so, yeah, back to my original point. Uh, after that, no's up at the beginning. It's been a great show.
1: Yeah, it's been a great show, and um, I kind of got kind of got used to little little uh, messes up at the beginning. So <laughs> yeah, it's,
3: just you know, like, yeah, it's part I'm, of the course.
1: I'm, I'm, I've, I've I've just got used to kind of sitting and waiting for you just to get your words out for the first five minutes of the pub. and,
2: <laughs> and then, then we
1: start properly, <laughs> and, and then and then we go again. So, no, no, it's been it's been a good start to the year. Uh, looking forward to our third game of the year on Wednesday, um, and yeah. It's just nice and solid. I think we started 2021 with six wins in a row. Mm. Um, so, by the end of this week, it could be four 2022. So, starting starting it perfectly. Um, and hopefully, we can we can take that into a nice little FA Cup run because, as we've already established, what a draw. Um, sets us up nicely for a nice little run. Got the Europa League to look forward to as well. But two, three home games in a week, um, which is... Rare. And um mm. so yeah, nice to get over there for two two more times this week. Always love going over there. Yeah, no. Nice to get
2: over there yeah. on the reg, isn't it? Yeah, enjoyable yeah. this year. I mean, I wouldn't be asking me, mate, um, about the amount of wins West Ham have got this year. According to me, we've already we've already got to ten wins in twenty
1: twenty two. Scored scored eighty goals. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I wouldn't be coming to me for doing the totting up the calendars and the maths. On this podcast, maybe yeah, I'm not able to make it there, which is a little bit of a shame for the Leeds game, but I will be there for Norwich. Looking forward to that nice night game under the lights, as I've already mentioned. Wasn't able to get to the first one and then it was postponed. So I was secretly delighted for that one. See, so yeah, looking forward to it this week, mate. It's all positive on all fronts and good luck to the West Ham women as well for that game against Tottenham. Um, how are you feeling then, Jonesy? So far, it's been a good start to 2022, isn't it? Particularly from a West Ham point of view. Um, are you are you positive about our, our chance for the rest of the month? You mentioned it there after Leeds, Sunday the 16th. That is, we've got Man United away. We've already won there in the league this season. Um, then a bit of a break. We've got another unwanted, I think, international break after that United game. And we've got Kidderminster away in the FA Cup next and home to Watford, away to Leicester, home to Newcastle, home to Wolves before an away game at Liverpool on the fifth of March. So yeah, up to that Wolves game is the end of Feb, mate. I I can see some really positive results. And if anything, I know it's such a cliche and which is probably why you'll like it, it sort of certainly can be billed as a bit of a season defining period.
1: Yeah, well you always look at these games and those games on paper and go, oh right, well, we should be winning that or you know, go it's like Leicester away and if you can go there and get a point and I think we'd be mm-hmm. happy with that. Uh, provided that the form in the other games before it has, has been good, um, you know, you're playing Watford, who you know don't keep clean sheets. You know, you'd know, be looking at that game going, okay, well that's that's a win at home. Uh, Newcastle, bless them, unless they sign all their superstars <laughs> this this month. I mean, yeah, like, should be beating them. Um, and United beatable.
2: And United, I
1: mean, un- under under Ranić, haven't exactly. You know, when, when Ranjik went there, everyone was going, oh, you know, it's just a brand new club and this is the start of something special and they basically just haven't changed. They're just the same old rubbish Man United. So, um, another opportunity to go there and, and get a win. So, and hopefully with uh, Jesse Lingard playing in Claret and Blue again, um, which would be nice. You could perhaps return the favour after what he did to us earlier in the season. Are you still um, on that hype? I mean, it'd be good to bring him back, I think. But, you know... No, if we don't, we don't, but I'd, I'd like What's... to see him back, back at West Ham. We, we need we need bodies. <laughs> we, we definitely need bodies. So um, I'd, rather, I'd rather bring back a player that knows the club inside out hmm. already and, and has already done it.
2: I mean, we, we took the plunge into transfers last week, didn't we, on the podcast? Um... Did very well on YouTube, by the way. Did it really? Yeah. Despite the fact that we were openly quite disdainful about it,
1: well, about we about transfers. <laughs> we were, I mean, it was mostly about how we shouldn't sign Gabby goal That which, is true. Um, yeah. That's which true. that's how that's how I marketed it, and that's probably why it did so well because everyone was saying, oh, well, these enough. two nuts I was talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's yeah. just us going. We hate transfers. We really don't yeah. want to talk about this, but here we go yeah. for
1: fifteen minutes.
2: <laughs> exactly. Oh, fair play. So have we
1: missed a trick then?
2: Before have we missed a trick swerving it again this week?
1: Um, potentially. I mean, it, 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 we gained about twenty subscribers off the back of it, which is good um approaching a thousand views I think as well so yeah yeah all right what about better videos
2: yeah 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 all right mate. fair enough well um as we've said before uh, I know there's way more of you listen to the podcast than those uh, numbers Jones you mentioned on the YouTube there so if you don't subscribe already uh, go over and and hit subscribe. We are West Ham podcast on YouTube. Uh, there have literally been nothing, James, is there, transfer-wise. There, it looks like Luca Dini, we mentioned last week, might be an all right sign-in, has gone to or going to Aston Villa. Uh, we've also landed Philippe Coutinho. Bit of a shame that David Moyes was never a Champions League winning midfielder, isn't he, really, uh, at one of the greatest clubs. And he could poach a few of his old ex-teammates, although... Stephen Gerrard getting Philippe Coutinho on board makes sense. I wouldn't really want any of David Moyes' old teammates, given that he's about sixty.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely wouldn't want that at all. <laughs> no.
2: But there hasn't been any movement as there transfers this week. Nah, I think,
1: I think yeah, since the last time spoke, which was back end of last week, now nothing's changed. Um, nothing of note at all, apart from Newcastle wanting Diop, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: we're not going to sell him, though. Right, sorry. actually, I'll tell you sorry. what, mate. Sorry, right. we will do this now, and we probably should have done it earlier in the pod. This is a bit of news I saw today. This is genuine, not the um, disdainful Transfer talk again. Uh, Kurt Zuma, am I un- of the understanding that he's back for the Norwich game?
1: I mean, I knew that he was ahead of schedule, but I didn't think he'd be ready well, until February. I
2: know, I believe it may have even been, if I'm wrong, it may have been our friend, uh, and outstanding Evening Standard West Ham correspondent Jack Rosser, who mentioned it on Twitter earlier. I'm just going to have a look now. I thought you'd be absolutely all over it. Um, but, yeah, I believe if it's not for the Norwich game, then perhaps it's that Leeds game at the weekend. Uh, where are we here? Kurt Zuma I, set to return. I, ah, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. I think I may have over... Um, got a little bit ahead of myself there. Um, yeah, so Kurt Zuma back for Man United, which is still far earlier than I was expecting, to be honest, mate. But
1: good news nonetheless. Oh, 100% good news. We're desperate for a centre-back, but like proper centre-back to come back. Not that Diop and Dawson aren't proper centre-backs, but first choice. Um, well, that was elite so level,
2: which Zouma was a step up, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: yeah, like he was so good before he got injured. It was such a blow to lose him. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. If you can get back... You know, I did. If you can come back tomorrow, that'd be even better. <laughs> Just yeah, so rushing
2: forgive back. Me for that. Forgive me for that inaccuracy. Nice to bookend the podcast with a cock-up at the beginning and a misunderstanding at the end. I like things to be symmetrical, mate. So, there we go. Well, look, Jonesy, I've really enjoyed it this week, and we've been yeah. alarmingly concise. I mean, to be fair, we have only had the one game to look back on, um, unlike the two, which we've had quite a lot. Recently, two games to look ahead to, though, thanks to all three of our guests. John Cushing, a new one, a host of a Norwich fan and a media extraordinaire. He was very humble, but um, yeah, very big player in the media industry professionally um yeah from not the what was it the not the new norwich podcast wasn't it that he was from there he come on brilliant to have john on earlier on kieran ben of course uh sports journalist from the sun big leeds fan joined and of course Catherine batty from the D- daily mail and now bbc infamy as well brilliant to have those guests making the podcast better for us this week um don't forget you can follow us if you so wish um, on Twitter, at, we are underscore West On Instagram, we are West End pod. Uh Pod. Facebook, you can search we are West End Podcast. Do the same on YouTube. As Jonesy you mentioned there, a couple of our videos doing particularly well. You can get all of this stuff that you've just listened to um, uh, on over on YouTube. You can watch us do it if, <laughs> if you so wish. Uh, subscribe to the pod on your chosen platform if you don't already. Give us five stars. That would be lovely. Right, us a review. Uh, more importantly, tell your friends about us. You can join us on Fantasy Premier League, the We Are West Ham Listeners League. The code is uh, O-R-1-W-U-C. That's O, the letter R-1-W-U-C. Um, yeah, As I mentioned, subscribe. And don't forget, you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestham for as little as a fiver a go. We really appreciate everyone who's done that for us already. So if you fancy chipping in ahead of the new year, I'm actually doing dry January this month. So uh, you can rest assured that beer money will be saved up for February when me and Jonesy can go and have a few beers together and record a podcast in person, which I think we need to do pretty soon, Jonesy. I miss those old days. Uh, Back the Governor B track as well. Uh, Massive, it's called. You can get it on iTunes and all the streaming platforms. But if you buy it on iTunes, uh, for twenty nine, I believe it is. That money goes towards Isla's fight as well. Great campaign, seeing that shoot up the charts. So keep supporting that if you can. And of course, one thing that goes without saying is keep supporting West Ham. It's pretty flipping easy to do that at the moment. Fifth in the Premier League, unbeaten in 2022, albeit we've only had two games rather than the three that I told you we'd had at the beginning of the show. We're through. To to the fourth round of the FA Cup where we face National League North opposition. Kidderminster Harriers we've got a mouth-watering pair of clashes in the Premier League coming up this week. Norwich at home Wednesday night before Leeds. A repeat of that FA Cup clash on Sunday afternoon at two o'clock at the London Stadium before it's Manchester United and Old Trafford next up. Brilliant show. Thanks very much for listening and everyone's support. Up the Hammers West Ham are massive everywhere they go and we'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed Mark Noble shirt. Tickets are just £3.95 each and just 99 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Tuesday the 11th of January and the winner will be drawn an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Rama, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Soufal to name but a few up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out.
1: Hi this is Tony Cotti and you are listening to the We are West End podcast.
0: Sport Social Podcast network.